All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. We are back today with a very special guest. Uh, her name is Brianna. Uh, how the fuck did you find me? Like <laughs> Instagram. Instagram. All right. Was it the drug intervention Instagram account? Yeah. Is that which one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so Brianna, welcome to the corner first and foremost. It's good to have you on here. We've been, we've been talking about having you on here for a minute. Um, we'll get into the other stuff of what you do. Brianna's a stripper. She's a fucking sober stripper. Like I, I admire the fact that you're able to do the type of work that you do and stay sober. But I think you're more than a stripper. I think there's like, there's a lot about you. So I want to learn you. I want to go uh, delve deep into your past. So you, were, you grew up, I think, from Pennsylvania or something like that, right? Yeah. And so where were you born? Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Pottsville. Is there another Never PA heard of in it. the house? <laughs> PA in the house. No, he's not. My other guy is. Um, okay. So, and then growing up in Pennsylvania, uh, what was it like? Tell me about your upbringing. Small town. Everyone knew everyone. Um, mm -hmm. What else would you like to know? <laughs> okay. So small town, everyone knew everyone. Like you're, when you were, um, when you were a lot younger, uh, was there any siblings in the house? Yeah, I have an older brother. His birthday is actually today. Nice. And how yeah, old is he? He's, I guess he's 35. He's either 34 or 35, which sounds really terrible that I'm not sure. And how old are you? 31. Okay. Um, so growing up there, like what kind of a lifestyle did you have as a youngster? Like, like in your... You know, young, young days. Um, my parents got divorced when I was two. So growing up, I went back and forth between my mom and dad's house. And I was well taken care of when I was younger. Um, like I said, I have an older brother. And yeah. Okay. So well taken care of as in like your family took care of you, even though there was a divorce and everything. Um, you were taken care of? Yes. Okay. And so who'd you go live with? Mom, dad? I went back and forth between my parents' house. My mom had custody and I would go with my dad on the weekends and I would stay with my grandmother's too. Okay. Why would you stay at your grandmother's? Just because grandma lived close by? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, your brother... He was how many years older than you? Four? Five. Four Five. years. You guys have a close relationship? We talk, yeah. Okay. Um, and then what, did you start experimenting with drugs and alcohol at a very young age or were you yeah. a late bloomer? How old were you? Fourteen. Fourteen. And what was the first thing that you were ever introduced to? Weed. Okay. And then? Zannies. Okay, so how old were you when, when those came in the pictures? 14. Okay, and how did you obtain those? A family member. Right. So they just had like an extra supply or they just said, check this out, try it out? Yeah. Um, getting a little nervous. Um I already know. We talked about this the other day. Yeah, I know. I have a, um, I have a feeling I know what, what this is about. Yeah. Um, 
so the question was the availability just yeah um i guess i was i just started to notice the drug use going on and i was kind of curious and i wanted to experiment with things so i just asked like i want to try smoking weed and um i want to try pills so it was available so that was like kind of like an experimental phase somebody happened to have them um and then you were turned on to weed and then pills and did you develop a dependency, like an addiction towards the pills almost immediately? Um, maybe not exactly the pills, but from the start, my mentality about using was um, developed kind of quickly where like as soon as I got this idea that I was going to start experimenting, um, I wanted to try everything. So um I already had the basically the mental obsession of like I want to try drugs. I'm going to do drugs. I'm I'm not going to get addicted. Addicted. It will be mind expanding, not mind numbing. And I just I'm going to party. And so that mentality was right there, right away. That's just kind of how it was. Did you have friends that were doing it too, like in school? Yeah. Yeah. So you're 31 years old. So even at 15, that long ago, Xannies were like something that kids were using in their teens. Yeah. Okay. And then um, when did it start to become a problem for you? Um, I went to juvenile rehab for the first time when I was 18. So I don't know when I crossed the invisible line of addiction, but I guess I was like 16, 17 the idea crossed my mind that like maybe I, I kind of had a problem, but I don't know. What made so, you go to juvenile rehab? Did, did grandma or mom or dad or somebody say you need to go get help? You're, you're fucked up? Yeah, I was on juvenile probation. Um, what does that mean, juvenile probation? Tell me. Did you get I in got, trouble? Um, yeah. Um, what did you get in trouble for? Underage drinking. Okay. So, so like in Pennsylvania, if you're underage and you're drinking, then you, you go get to an court. Underage drinking fine. A fine. And then they told you like you are on restriction. You've got to be good or else you're going to go to juvenile rehab. Yeah. Well, I was on, I was on the juvenile probation. I, I couldn't even pass a drug test. Like I kept failing for opiates. Um, the progression was just really fast. Mm-hmm. So then you had gotten into opiates at what age? 17. Then who turned you on to opiates? Um, friends. And what was it? Was it uh, like oxys? <clears throat> Let me guess. It was the oxy 80s, correct? Yeah. What year would yeah. this be? Well, I was 17. I graduated from high school in 2008. So like 2006, 2007. So it was right around that time. Those oxys were readily available if you were shop doctor shopping. How are you getting them? Those friends, so-called friends? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what happened then? Were you, I mean, straight up opiate addict? Were you smoking them? Um, Hard to remember? No, um, I'm just 
I'm really used to like sharing uh, the what it was like then and what it's like now format, I guess. And that's kind of what was going through my brain because basically high school, like 14. Yeah, I, I tried Xanax, weed, 15, meth. Um, then throughout high school, I was like, yeah, I just want to try everything. Hallucinogens. Like I want to try mushrooms and ecstasy and acid and all the pills I could try, Percocet, you know, all of it. And then 17 was the first time, um, you know, first snorting oxys, eating them. And I was 17 the first time I injected an Oxycontin. And then uh, shortly after that, I did try heroin, snorting it and shooting it. And then 17 that, that, through 21 was when I was like really. So I want to ask you real quick before we move forward. In shooting Oxy or heroin, what was it about you that decided to take that that leap like forward and say, I'm going to shoot this stuff? Like, was somebody else shooting this stuff in front of you? No. Um, I don't know why that was an idea. Like, I guess because when I decided I wanted to start experimenting, I just right away had this mentality of like, well, I want to try everything. And like, I just heard that, you know, heroin, like I heard about it, that it made you feel like how it made you feel. I wanted to experience right. that. Because there's a lot of people that, that become addicts and, and, and when it comes to needles, like they're deathly afraid of needles. So they don't want to actually stick a needle inside their body. But like, you just, you had no fear. Like you're like, fuck it. If I'm going to get high, I'm going to do it in any way I can. You weren't, there wasn't like a fear, like the first time you're going to shoot an oxy and think, holy shit, what am I doing? Or was it just like, how is this going to make me feel? Let's do it. Yeah. Just how is it going to make me feel? Let's do it. Okay. And then, and then afterwards it, the oxy wasn't enough that you started shooting heroin. I was just curious. I wanted to know what that was like shooting heroin. Okay. And in your part of Pennsylvania, what, what was the town that you're from? Pottsville. And you were in Pottsville at the time, still living there? Yeah. I grew up in a, another small town that's near Pottsville. And then what happened with, uh, what, how did you find, obtain heroin? How did it go from oxys to heroin? Um, there was someone that I got involved with who had a heroin problem. Like a boy? Yeah. That was a drug dealer too? Or just a drug supplier like he happened to have heroin? He, he used also. Okay. So did you guys use together? Yeah. Were you guys shooting regularly? Like shooting dope regularly? Yeah. Um, were you using dirty needles? That may have happened. Okay. Um, it happens in that world. I think we don't really, once we lose ourselves in addiction, it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. It's just about getting, getting loaded. Okay. So then, um, then what happened? What happened with that whole relationship? Um, we broke up. Um, we were both in and out of rehab a lot. And it eventually ended. 
And what made you, what was happening that you were ending up going to rehab? Was like family telling you you're not well? You're an adult at this point, right? Yeah. So family was telling you like you're not well, you need to go get help? No. Um, I just, I would check myself in. Like I knew I had a problem and I would want to stop. So I would go to detox or rehab. Were you going to uh, county facilities or were you going to like a treatment center? Yeah, um, I would do like the intake with the county and then they would put me into a treatment center. But was was it, um, I mean, you didn't have insurance or anything like that? You just had like state insurance so you'd just go to like... Yeah, yeah, it would be the county funded. And what was that like? Was it just like a county bed and you'd go there, there's some counselors and... You stay for a little while and then you, you leave? Yeah. Okay. And then when you would, like, how long would you stay? Like 20 days or something like that? Yeah. I went a total of eight times. And each time was like, there was a time where, you know, it was just the initial detox and I just checked myself out. Um, another time I did like a 90 day program. Um, like the 14 day, 28 day, it would just kind of depend on the coverage. And then a couple times I would just leave AMA. Why would you leave AMA? Give me an example. What was the reason? Um, I'd be about like whatever, five, six days in and the, uh, the obsession would kick in. Like I would want to quit and then I'd just change my mind and I'd say, fuck it. And I would leave rehab. Gotcha. So, This, this means a lot to me because I'm dealing with a couple of different people right now who I recently put into treatment um, that are going through the same thing, almost identical. Like they think they go to get detoxed and they're all good. They're all cleared out. The only problem with that is then, you know, there's more risk of, of overdosing because now they have nothing in their system and they come out and more often than none, when somebody just goes to detox, they're going to get loaded again. Like they really need to be in treatment for a while to be able to embrace what the recovery process is. And and a lot of people think that treatment centers get you sober. They don't. I, I believe that the point of treatment is to break the resistance to long-term recovery, right? So hopefully at some point through your treatment process, you get some kind of information or they send you to AA meetings or you sit with your therapist and have some breakthroughs or you're in a group, all those different things. But eight times you went to, to different places. And you weren't staying sober. Now, had you already caught wind of like, I don't want to break anyone's anonymity, but like any kind of support groups? <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much or how little I should filter my uh, anonymity phrasing. But um, yeah, I had that saying, like the head full of recovery and you know, and I still kept trying to use so I could grasp the concepts and I believed that the programs worked. Um, and it was really just that battle for a while. From Now, did you uh, ever experience overdoses since you were, I mean, you were shooting shit, right? Yeah. Yes. And what, what did you overdose from? Was it straight heroin? Um, heroin and fentanyl okay so you had gotten into fentanyl even yeah 
How long are you sober right now? My sobriety date is April 19th, 2012. Nine years and I guess almost six months on the 19th it will be. So when you say that you were doing heroin and fentanyl, were you, it was it heroin that had fentanyl in it? It wasn't straight fentanyl. No, it was straight fentanyl. Straight fentanyl nine years ago? Yeah, the patches. Oh, okay. Like I, I remember when the patches came out. We talked about this the other day with my other guest, Ricky. So you were getting fentanyl patches. Were they prescribed to you? No. How, how were you obtaining those? Through a dealer? The plug? Yeah, someone, someone who had a prescription and would sell them. Okay. Uh, and this person was getting fentanyl patches, just like they were just distributing to people. How were they getting them? Do you know? A doctor, yeah. Okay, so they was like prescribed to somebody and then their hands got on it. So they would give you a patch and you could open it up and take the fentanyl out and shoot it? Yeah. Um, I can't remember how, you know, my ex figured all that out, like how to turn the gel and liquefy it to shoot it. So it was like when you would open up the fentanyl patch, it would be in a gel form. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then... Um, Overdosing. How many times did you overdose that you can remember or recall? Um, there's a couple of times where I, I had to be like shook and thrown into a cold tub. Um, with ice? I, I guess. Huh? Was it with ice or cold water? Just cold water. Um, and yeah, why was, was that? Huh? Sometimes people don't know why people do that. I mean, I know why, but can you explain why like somebody was throwing you into a cold tub? This is yeah. pre-Narcan days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you get high and shoot up and, and you nod out, um, somebody has to like, if you, you know, are nodded out too long, someone has to like bring you back. So, you know, first there's like shaking. And if the person doesn't wake up, then throwing them into a tub of cold water, just the bathtub and turn the cold water on. Okay. And all this was happening in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Was there lots of drug use in your area or were you just hanging out with druggies? Um, a little bit of both. There definitely is a, a drug problem in Schuylkill County, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. So with that happening, so you obviously you survived all of your overdoses. How many times did you say you overdosed? I can't remember, but pro like there's at least like four or five times where like I was shaken and woken up and like, you know, you went out type of thing, like at least... And then I nodded out like just regularly. That was like the whole point was to get high so I could nod out. So. <sighs> okay. This is tough to talk about this stuff because it brings back memories, doesn't it? Um, it's okay. Um, it's just a little weird because it's been a while since I've really tapped into like my junkie self. Right. It's amazing. Like sometimes when I... I'm 14 years sober. When I think about the way I used to get high, often I wonder like, who the fuck was that guy? Because I love being sober so much. I'm so deep in recovery now. It's like, 
that was a different person. I mean, it was me, but it was a different version of me. Like, it was definitely a person that was consumed by a lot of trauma, a lot of fear, a lot of sadness, anguish. Um, I mean, I think we all have traumas, and that's what takes us in that direction. You know, I, I was talking on a podcast last night um, about the various traumas that a lot of addicts and alcoholics have. Some people have been molested. Some people have been raped. Some people have, I, I, I had trauma where I accidentally had a car accident where somebody was killed as a result of me driving a car, and that person was in that accident. And so that shit really fucked with me. I was already using drugs and alcohol before then, but because of my trauma, it made me go even deeper. To, to it made It gave me an excuse to get even higher so I wouldn't have to feel and I could just numb out, right? Um, I love to talk to survivors from people that were opiate addicts who have uh, encountered overdoses and have survived. I love to talk to their real live bodies because they're here still and they're not dead. I just lost a friend two nights ago. I lost another friend last week. And then I lost another friend two weeks ago. And, you know, obviously with the fentanyl craze and everything, I so fucking trip out because I fucking like I kick it with these people like I was hanging out with them like they were sitting in meetings with me like one of them was sitting right next to me when I spoke at a meeting and so like we they're no longer here it fucking saddens my heart so to see that you went through what you did in those episodes and those times when you were you know it, it was you were on the on almost going to die like you were basically inches from dying like if they hadn't stuck you in that tub there's a good chance you may not have made it so, and that was pre-Narcan days, you know, that's like old school fucking way to, an old school way of reviving somebody that's on the, on the brinks of death. You're I'm fucking sorry. Miracle. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry for your losses. Um, thank you. And thank you for your words. So I want to ask you, um, after, how old were you when you got sober? Exactly what age did you say? 21. Had you already been a dancer before you got sober? Yes. Okay. And was this happening during the times that you were doing opiates and overdosing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I started dancing when I was 18. And where was that? What in state? A small, uh, that was in Pennsylvania. It was at a small topless bar. Okay. So you said you were 18. That's when you first started dancing? Yeah. Okay. And then um, what turned you on to the world of dancing? Was it easy money? Was it uh, somebody said, you're kind of hot, like come over here and you can make money like dancing? What, who, did, who turned you on to that? Um, it's funny because I've been like pondering this myself when exactly – the idea came, but um, like, I always loved playing dress up when I was younger. And like, honestly, maybe it had a little bit to do with like music because I just got this idea like, yeah, when I turn 18, I'm, I'm gonna be a stripper. And like, I, I think that might've come from music for some reason, um, because there was never any person that said to me about stripping or, um, I, I, I was like 12 and I started saying when I turn 18, I'm going to be a stripper. And I think everyone you fucking straight I up thought that at the age of 12. Yes. <laughs> okay. 
question for you. This is this is always uh, a, a curiosity that I have. I want to ask you this: When you were a kid, were you a ballerina? Did you do any ballet classes? No. Any tap dance? No. Any dance classes at all as a kid? Gymnastics. I was going to ask that next. Were you in gymnastics? When I was younger, yeah. Okay. The reason that I asked this is, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm going to be totally straightforward with you. Like, I've frequented tons of strip clubs in my time, right? There was a time when I was, and I don't say this proudly, but, like, we were in the party scene. Like, in the 90s especially, we were all about that stimulant lifestyle, like straight-up ecstasy, GHB, cocaine, methamphetamine, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with frequenting strip clubs, Right. And even like in my addiction and in my drug dealing days, I would sit in these strip clubs and think to myself, these girls are like in their early, you know, 20s or some of them are in their late teens, right? Like only probably like 10 years ago, some of them were probably ballerinas or like gymnasts or going to classes to learn how to dance. And so now they know how to work the pole and they know how to like work the club and and they they have these maneuvers that, that uh Kids could like have done when we were little kids out on the playground, like to where they're, you know, on the, on the swings and all the different things that they do. So I, I thought to myself, like, um, I wonder how many of them actually like used to do that. And so you say that you were a gymnast as a little kid, but the age of 12, what the fuck made you think like, I want to grow up and be a stripper? Like, how Again, did you even know what a stripper was so young? Um, the only thing I could really think is, is music like songs mm -hmm. like um there was the a now cd what that one song um like lap dance or something and about strippers like when me and my cousins were younger we used to like who was dress that up. was that britney spears it wasn't britney spears and i'm not gonna like sing a sample right now for you but like i can hear it in my head right now and like yeah music i like to dance <laughs> okay so all right so you chased that little dream of yours when you were 18 but you were also using drugs now i want to i want to ask you this when you were working at, when you were working at the club at a very young age how many of the other girls in there were using drugs too um there were a couple of girls also that what were they using? using? Were, were they using the same shit as you or other stuff? One of the first girls I met, um, she used speed also. Okay. Uh, oh, you were using speed too during the time that you were working as a young, like in your early days? Yeah. Okay. And then um, when you were doing this, was it just a way of life at the time or did you have ambitions and goals and dreams? That was my life at the time and i didn't really have any ambitions or goals or dreams okay and then did you uh you said sober at what what age did you get sober 21 and what was your crisis like what the fuck happened to brianna that she you decided dude like this isn't working i need to get sober uh, I knew I developed a physical habit to opiates and heroin. I would physically get addicted. Um, so I knew I had a problem. And what happened? You just decided, I'm going to go to rehab, or how did you quit? I would go to rehab and go to meetings. 
So this last time at 21, you went to rehab for how long? Um, this last time I went to rehab, a halfway house and a recovery house. So I guess I was in treatment for a total of about um, like six months. And this is all in Pottsville? It, uh, I went a couple hours away from Pottsville. Okay, so you were still in Pennsylvania at the time. Yeah. So when you went to rehab and the halfway house and all that stuff, what was what was the goal? You you obviously you embraced recovery and you stayed sober from there on, right? Yeah. Twenty one year old girl gets sober and stays sober. That's monumental. Hmm. I mean, you stayed sober all this time. Come on now, it's been nine years. Yes. So that's amazing. What was it within you that made the decision to continue staying sober? Because a lot of people fall off and relapse. Why? Uh, it was the realization that if I left that rehab and got high, I would probably die. Okay. And and so you, that's a great realization. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. You fucking knew. It was knew. painful. Took a lot of pain. So... Once you got, were you, when you were in the halfway house, were you still stripping? Um, no, I decided I would leave the people, places and things. And I was not going to dance anymore. All right. And then what did you do? You just worked a regular job? Yeah. I mean, not to say that that's not a regular job, what you're doing. That's. For some, that's a regular job. Um, <laughs> all right. So then what happened? You got out of there and you decided to go back to dancing? Yeah, I was in the halfway house and mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to do. Okay. So then what'd you do? You moved out and moved where? I moved back to Schuylkill County where I grew up and I started dancing again. And what, you just moved to like your own apartment? Yeah. Was there, were you ever in relapse mode? Were there ever any risks or like close calls or anything like that? Or had you just made up your mind? Like I'm on this path of recovery and I'm staying on this path. I conceded to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I started to work the recovery process as suggested in those recovery meetings. And, um, through that process, like my obsession had been lifted and I, I knew that I couldn't drink anymore at all, ever, or use, ever. Um, so. Oh, uh, let me let me cut you off for just one second there. I want you to know something. That's fucking music to my ears. I want you to know. I, I've never met you in person, Brianna, but I love you. I love you. Like we're, we're on the same path together. That right there, that's everything to me. What you just said is what matters the most. When, often I'll sit, like I have some sober livings and stuff, and we'll sit and have these groups, and we'll talk about like certain things, and people will talk about the recovery process, and some people try to look good or say the right shit. But like when I hear some shit like that, like what you just said, this thing will come out of my mouth. Like a lot of people know me for this. I'll be like, that's recovery. That right there, that what you just said, that's fucking recovery. To concede to your innermost self and know that you're going to fucking die if you do this anymore. And so you just make this absolute decision that I'm not going backwards anymore. I'm going forwards. Like that, that means everything to me. I want you to know something else. 
I'm on three fucking hours of sleep. So I'm totally tired. We were trying to do TikTok videos earlier. I did a YouTube video, which I fucking pro- probably totally tanked. Although I'm sure Maya thinks that I did just fine. But that I, this, this today's interview with you means everything to me. And I know that you were nervous before, but I want you to know that a lot of people might watch this and that part right there, I hope that they laser focus and zero in on that. That's what matters the most to me. 21 year old young lady that is, 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 has been around the, like around the block with using has had countless overdoses and has just made this decision. No more, like no fucking more. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's why you put together nine years of solid sobriety. That shit's solid to me. Sorry. I just had to interject and just say what I said. I'm so glad that you did. I hear you. Cause I understand, you know, the inner fire of recovery. It's, that's exactly what it is. So when you decided to go back to dancing and you were living on your own and you've now have this beautiful, sober life, why did you decide to go back to dancing? What really was one of the things was I went to a sober Halloween dance and I was getting dressed up and I was like, man, I miss this. And I was back and forth about it because I was afraid that maybe it was my disease calling me back without saying, hey, pick up a drink or drug. But like, yeah, why don't you start stripping again? So I was undecided. And then um, I, I again, like I knew in my innermost self, I didn't want to drink. So I took myself for a shift at the club and um, said a prayer, conscious contact and um and that was how it happened. I love that. I had that. been through the, the steps. Good. So you had taken the steps and you decided this is what you wanted to do. Did you stay in Pennsylvania? Didn't you move to Vegas after a while? Yeah. I've been here seven years now. Okay. And you currently are dancing in Vegas. Yeah. Do you see a lot of shit in those clubs? Because I know there's some gnarly, gnarly shit that goes on. I don't really see as much, uh, like, not really, honestly. Are a lot of the girls on drugs or are they not? Um, Not that I can, like, really visibly see. Okay. And then when you are working, are you offered drinks or does it? Is there ever a temptation or are you just, like, you're good? Like, you can be around liquor, alcohol, and you're, you're fine. Like, there's no temptation, correct? There's drinking around me, yes. And for me, I do not feel temptation when I'm drink when I'm at the club because like it says in, you know, the literature, we will recoil as if a hot flame. I'm in a place of neutrality by the grace of God. And my purposes for being there are I go to work and I, I truly, I love to dance. I'm a dancer. Like I mm-hmm. love to dance. I'm an athletic performer and that's my primary purpose when I'm at work. So I so you, don't feel triggered to drink when I'm at work. Okay. And then outside of that, I mean, obviously like, I mean, I had a friend that danced all the way up until she was 40 years old. She was a hell of a dancer too. So she just loved to dance. Right. And she looked really good. So it's like, and she could dance, she could ride a pole and all that stuff. But I wanted to ask you this, like, as you are getting a little bit older, right. You're like in your thirties now, 
does the thought ever come of I want to do other things? Because I know I know lots of dancers that actually worked as dancers and put themselves through college and school and things like that. Have you thought about like what what's on the horizon? Like, is there other stuff outside of dancing that you want to end up doing? Yeah, definitely. Like what? I would like to go to school and study and learn more. Like what do you want to study? Psychology. That a girl. I like that. Psychology that and religion, probably, I would like to study. They're my favorite topics to just dive right in and learn more about. So, yeah, like I religious think that studies. would be wonderful. Okay, very cool. And um, has there ever been girls that have been struggling along the way, let's say, for example, in the dancing world, in the stripping world, or that you were able to be instrumental in helping them get sober? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Do they know you to be like the the sober girl that works here or or has worked here uh, that they can turn to? Yeah. Nice. Nice. And I also met um, one of my best friends. It was a total god shot that we both met while dancing in a little dive bar (laughs) here in Las Vegas. And um, it was just... Like this girl was doing an audition. We started chatting in the dressing room and I was like, do you want to go out for coffee after this? I usually don't ask girls if they want to hang out necessarily. And we sat down and my coffee came and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I got a coffee cause I've been sober for a couple of years. And she goes, oh my gosh. She's like, I have 30 days sober and, um, and we're both in recovery. And like, it's just our wonderful little story, how we met as sober strippers in Vegas and we're both from Pennsylvania. So oh, nice. yeah, that's um, one of my favorite little stories of warming the heart and being a sober dancer. Absolutely. God puts people in our path that we can be of usefulness to, or they can be of usefulness to us. <laughs> Very cool. And so uh, this is what I was going to ask you too. In the stripping world, are you? Do you become friends with lots of these girls in the club, or are, are is it like the chicks are just catty and, and there's no, like I I know that a lot of women that strip, they're 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 going there to go work to go make money. Some of them have somewhat of friendships. Some of them can't stand each other. But like, do you get along with people, especially a person that's in recovery? Since like we do go through the twelve step process and we learn to be, you know, communicative with people, be able to, to develop relationships with people. Are you, are you cool with the other girls or do you yeah. kind of just, you I mind your own business? I have a lot of close friends at work that I talk to at work mm-hmm. and outside of work. And there's definitely a really good positive community of women who are connected and support each other. Nice. Very nice. Okay. And then what's recovery? What's, do you like, um, the recovery world in Vegas? How is that? Yeah. It's is it good. strong? Yeah. You have a large support system? Yeah. Does anybody in your support system judge you for being a dancer? I I would say no. No. Not that you know of. Like, they don't tell you you should probably stop doing that. They don't say that right. shit? Right. There is some loving concerns from family members who can see 
maybe it's not the most ideal, you know. Yeah, there is some of that. Um, Your family knows that you strip? Yes. Yeah. And what do they say? Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, here I'm editing because I'm like... um, Watching your words. Yeah, and there's, there's a big part of my story that, you know, is just part of my testimony of being sober and in recovery and I don't know. Should I share? Um, You don't have to share anything you don't want to. Don't worry. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that we've pretty much covered everything. The the thing that matters the most to me is this. Brianna, I'm going to tell you something right now. Like when I posted this yesterday that you were going to be on here, there was one individual that decided to come on and uh, have a very strong opinion about shit. Did you see all that? I did. Okay. Did that bother you? Actually, no, which is kind of amazing because usually I'm really sensitive to what other people say, but I was not bothered. Okay. I noticed that when he was saying what he thought, which he said he's entitled to his own opinion, which he is entitled to his own opinion. Everybody's going to have a fucking opinion, Right. But he said what he wanted to say, and then there's some other people that came and told them what their opinions were, what their opinions were about the subject and what their opinions were about his opinion, right? <laughs> Regardless of the fact, like, I'm neutral. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I view people not for what they do or what they, what they represent themselves as, but who they are as humans. Like, what if they're being, like, good human beings? I... I know prostitutes that are good good people. I know pimps that were at one time really bad that turn into good people. I know dancers that are currently sober. I know dancers that are not sober, right? And but at the end of the day, I believe that if you're if you're doing things and you're and you're going through life with with a good attitude and trying to be the best version of yourself or at least improve yourself and be a good human being, then I don't have any judgment. Like I I really I admire the fact that you're able to work in that type of environment and not drink and not have the desire to drink. And I think that's really huge. I think some people don't believe that that could be real, but I do believe that it can be real. I can go to a bar. I can go to a rave sober. I've gone to raves sober. We actually created a um, a sober tent at EDC uh, called the Consciousness Group because uh, – it's, it's basically we, we usually get together and bring people that have over a year of sobriety that still love like the music. They love, you know, um, EDM and all that stuff. Like they basically go there and, and be able to, to, to enjoy themselves and have little meetings in there. So, uh, so I, I believe that uh, you're, you're a good human being and I think you're doing a very good job. Mind you, everything that I'm saying right now probably doesn't make sense. I'm not so smooth in my talking today because I've been up for three hours I slept for three hours because I was up late last night because one of our friends decided to go on another run and is out right now. And hopefully he doesn't die. I really am praying deeply for him not to die, but I, I, I'm not the master of the universe. So we'll see what happens, but I, I love and adore you. And I, I, it's, I want our friendship to grow. Like for sure. 
I what an honor and a privilege to be able to talk to a person like yourself that's um, sober for so long and helping so many people. Keep doing what you're doing. More power to you. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate your words very much. Thank you. You're awesome. And with that said, if there, is there anything that you want to say before we go that might be inspiring to somebody out there? Um, inspiring um, to anyone that might still be in active addiction or battling addiction. Um, major uh, inspirations for me were when I, you know, started going to the recovery groups, people would say, just keep coming back no matter what, keep coming back no matter what, keep being really honest. And um, I always encourage anyone to develop that relationship with a higher power. Absolutely. In or out of the program, like, that's just an incredible aspect of being human to have a, a relationship with a higher power God. So, um, and just always hope would be my, my words of inspiration that anything you're struggling with, you can always push through. I love it. That's again, music to my ears. I love your humanness, but I really love the way you spit recovery. Like you be about this way of life. I love yes. that. Good Thank job. You. I'm glad awesome. that you can see that. And, acknowledge that thank you yeah awesome 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 have a good rest of your day and thank you all for tuning in today and much love sayonara bye yeah.